This is the Coin Gamer Podcast, and I'm your host, Fritz Charles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Coin Gamer Podcast. We're honored to have Akin Sawyer on the podcast today. Akin is a serial entrepreneur, financier, and consultant. He began his career at the IMF, International Monetary Fund, before moving on to Freddie Mac as a business analyst. He went on to Dartmouth Tuck School of Business for his MBA, after which he worked as a consultant at Accenture and Booz Allen. He then refocused on business in frontier markets, specifically West Africa. He built Market Atlas, Splash Money, which is a remittance platform, and he runs Felamon, impact investment and advisory firm that is focused on fintech across African diaspora communities. He's based in the D.C. area, but I know he, he travels quite a bit to West Africa for business. But we're here to talk about cryptocurrency. Atkin has established himself as a thought leader and is also working on some cool projects in the space that kind of are a combination of the things he worked on in the past. He has a, you know, you should definitely, we'll have him mention some of his platforms. He writes on Medium, he has an active Twitter account, and he has a weekly show on YouTube that is quite good, I must say. Welcome, Akin. Please, you know, let me know, you know, if I missed anything in your background that you may want to fill in. No, no, I think that's pretty, that's a pretty decent overview. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, you know, thanks again for, for joining us. So can you give us a little bit of background? What, what brought you into crypto? What made crypto attractive to you? Yeah, so, um, so like you said, I spent a lot of time in my career moving between consulting, international finance. You know, I did a little bit of mortgage finance. And, you know, kind of halfway through my career, I decided to sort of look to Africa and kind of figure out, you know, what I wanted to do long term. And I knew it had it had to do it had something to do with Africa. And I had the opportunity to invest in a mobile payments company that you mentioned, Splash, okay. um, which is focused on building a mobile payments inf- um, network in Sierra Leone. Wow. Right. So it was sort of a very agent focused model. Um, you know, we had agents across the country, people could essentially make payments at agents. It just sort of was a really, you know, the big focus was convenience for consumers, um, and also convenience for B2B customers that we helped move money across the country through our agent network. Okay. Right. So trying to kind of get, get, get over that infrastructure gap in terms of, you know, when we launched, you know, telco penetration was only in the thirties percentage wise, um, bank penetration was, you know, was 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 abysmal you know there were like you know 20 something bank branches across the whole country so it was really an idea of trying to bridge the gap with you know the infrastructure deficit and and provide convenient ways for people to actually make payments sure so you know i i kind of was you know invested in the friends and family round um okay. it's, it's run by a good friend of mine who i met in college his name is daniel Ose Antri. okay um he's originally from ghana and so it, it got me a seat on the board and we sort of, you know, figured things out over time. You know, I kind of provided strategy and, you know, just basically an ear for him to sort of, you know, bounce things off. And, you know, we, you know, we try to build this thing over time, you know, I mean, pretty early on for us, we realized that, you know, the big opportunity, you know, down the line would be, you know, just doing a better job of channeling remittance funding into the continent. So if you look across most African countries and a lot of the underbanked, you know, on average, about 50% of their income comes from remittances. Sure. Right. From family members who send money back home monthly. 
right, from family members to send emergency funds, right, when, you know, emergencies occur, like, you know, health issues. Right. And so well, looking at that marketplace, you know, it was dominated by a handful of incumbents, right? So MoneyGram, Western Union, Western MoneyGram, Union, yeah. or, or banks, right? And, yeah. you know, really expensive, particularly for the underbanked and the unbanked, because, you know, a lot of these services have minimum fees, right? And so if you have like a minimum fee of $5, for example, and you want to send home, you know, 20 bucks because, you know, that's really what you needed. I mean, that that represents a 25% fee. I mean, it's ridiculous. And so people who send smaller amounts, which tends to be the unbanked, tend to have a much higher penalty in terms of the fees that they're charged. And so um, and so that's sort of a challenge that we, we kind of had at the back of our minds that we wanted to solve. Uh, and we figured that once you build sort of, you know, mobile money or, you know, distribution on the ground and, you know, that becomes ubiquitous, then, you know, there'll be a time to kind of plug in essentially, you know, more efficient remittances. Um, but along the way, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, the whole Bitcoin fervor, you know, came along, you know, like everyone else, I was a little bit curious as to, you know, what Bitcoin was, sure. you know, and, you know, what really got me was the underlying technology blockchain, right? So, there's all this like fervor around cryptocurrency and you know speculation and trading, but I think oftentimes what's missed is the core technology underlying Bitcoin or any of those coins as a matter of fact, and it's really about blockchain, right? Right. Which essentially is a new protocol for for moving value, whether it's financial value or you know any value you can kind of represent digitally, right, and transfer seamlessly. Exactly. So that really got me thinking you know, okay, this could be, you know, an ideal way to essentially circumvent the banking infrastructure, you know, bypass the incumbents and leverage a new protocol, right, to transfer value, right? Because inherently leveraging blockchain, there are all sorts of benefits associated with it in terms of, you know, depending on the chain you use, you know, speed of transaction, um, you know, the fact that, you know, it, it's immutable, so records are, are secure, and it's crypto cryptographically secure. The fact that um, you can, in many ways, not completely, but in many ways, you can kind of cater for, um, you know, trust, right? So you you, the, you, know, the, you can systemize trust such that, you know, people or kind of parties within your blockchain have to, um, you know, work on on with the same rules, basically, sure. right? And so all those things kind of got me curious as, okay, this seems like the future. And and that's how I started thinking about, you know, how do you leverage blockchain and, and cryptocurrency in doing a better job first of remittances and then invariably other financial services. No, it makes uh, it makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. Awesome, awesome. And kind of like, so what what do you? Uh, is that kind of what your your firm uh, Philemon is kind of focused on? Um, kind of advising people on on how to build things like that or. Or you also, are you, are you, is your team looking to build something like that? Uh, kind of what, where, where do you see, I mean, I, I, we could definitely see the vision and it makes a lot of sense. Um, but what, where do you see the next steps or how are you involved in that, if anyway? Yeah, so, so Fellerman kind of propped, so originally Fellerman kind of came, was, was sort of the consulting firm I started post, you know, management consulting, right? Okay. And my initial, my initial thesis was, you know, I thought, okay, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on in tech in Africa, right? This was like seven years ago. Sure. Um, and you know, there just seems to be more and more activity. And I thought that, look, there's an opportunity to bridge the gap, right. Between foreign investors, you know, who are looking for deals, right. And kind of 
you know, ushering them into right opportunities in Africa. Sure. Um, I learned pretty quickly that there's just a huge, I mean, in my view, maybe, was, maybe I was talking to the wrong people, but there was just a massive knowledge gap, particularly in the United States, right? A lot of people just didn't know, right? right? A lot of folks that you think were sophisticated investors had no clue really, you know, what the markets were, what the opportunities were. Like, you know, you, you'd pitch certain things to them and it sounded unbelievable, right? right? right, right and right. I think it's just, you know, just a, a huge lack of knowledge. And yeah. and so for me, it just felt like, look, that's a, that's a huge sales cycle. Like spending time trying to convince people as to the opportunity was just a long tail. And so that's when I decided to um, kind of pivot a little bit. I started Market Atlas, which is a company around, you know, providing data, and financial data, um, you know, partnered with a South African firm okay. to for distribution in the U.S. You know, it was interesting. We learned a lot of things. Um, it didn't quite work out, but at the same time, you know, because of my involvement in Splash, I was getting a lot of inquiries from just startups, right? Folks who are starting fintech companies over time, and and so Splash was sort of a vehicle through which I advised. I began to sort of just advise companies on the ground who needed strategic direction, who needed, you know, whatever input, right? I could kind of give them okay. from an operation standpoint. Invariably, you know, a lot of them were trying to raise funding. So wherever I could, and I think for the companies that sort of were maturing, right, and showed like a business model, I also supported them in kind of, you know, accessing or finding funding, right? So that kind of grew organically. Um, and as I kind of started getting more and more into crypto and blockchain, and was convinced that, you know, this was really the future. And, you know, my perspective is anyone who's doing anything in financial services, fintech, has to take a very, very strong look at cryptocurrency and blockchain. Right. Um, because I think it's going to be, the, it's the protocol of the future and it's here. And sure. so if you're developing new things, you have to think about, because at the end of the day, you know, every, all financial services is really about distribution. You know, how do you move value across, um, you know, from, you know, across systems, across people, an efficient way and allocate and allocate that capital efficiently right sure. and so um and so you know my my consulting services even though I, I, you know, I provide a lot of support to fintech companies it started becoming well you know in my mind how could these companies actually leverage blockchain sure. right and and so i started pivoting a little more and more to still providing those you know that advice but also then cluing these companies into the fact that you know they need to kind of consider blockchain Particularly for you know businesses where you know a large network effect, you know, there are benefits from you know network effect. There are benefits from thinking global from day one. Of course, you know blockchain just has this inherent ability for people to create value and provide that value to just about anyone in the world who has access. Of course, right? Which which is a very very it's a massive paradigm shift, right? Because you know, for the majority of people in the world today, there are all these intermediaries you have to go through, right? There are all these walls that sort of you know, prov you know, provide a level of friction that in particular for people in developing countries, emerging markets, right, it's extra hard to, to participate, right? It's extra hard to participate globally if you're, you know, from the wrong country or, you know, in sort of a, a tight spot right. in terms of what, what the world thinks are, you know, relevant countries where investment should go. No, so, 100%, 100%. Now, I, in, in doing that, do you see... Um... Uh, crypto or maybe ICOs as, as a way that people in West Africa or other similar, I guess, regions or, or markets could raise money from investors outside of their 
I guess, their jurisdiction. So maybe in particular, maybe a, a company in Nigeria raising money from, you know, UK and US investors using um, an ICO or crypto, crypto in some way? Um, sure, I think it's possible, but I still think that, you know, at the end of the day, like fundamentals are, and you can see even in the in the crypto markets, fundamentals are now becoming more and more um, of a necessity, right? Okay. So if you looked at, you know, the I, I, ICO craze last year, there are lots of folks who are just kind of, frankly, you know, ICOing and having huge valuations and weren't really solving a problem, right? right? They, were, they were they were kind of ICOing on a promise of this new cool tech, which for me, it's okay, fundamentally, it could be cool, and it could do all these cool things. But what's the problem you're solving? And what's the market? And you can see more and more now, I think that phase, I think that phase is gone, where you could just sort of clone Litecoin or clone Bitcoin, and all of a sudden have a couple hundred million dollar valuation, right? But I think the market is now saying, okay, what, you know, what do you have? Sure. And I think more and more, you're going to see the companies that ICO will be companies that already have probably a working product, right? Users, sure. right? And a use case, right? And those, and I think that's where value is going to start congregating more and more. So I think does, you know, blockchain give access to new markets to African entrepreneurs? I think it's yes. Um, but I still think, you know, the fundamentals of what you're doing have to show through, right? So for companies that are in, in a great spot who have a business model that's functioning, Right, who have some level of a track record, I think blockchain can kind of provide them access to new markets and 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 get them to participate at the table where you know that access didn't exist before. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So you know, kind of being that your your focus is more on the blockchain and the in the, the I guess the infrastructure layer that goes behind some of these coins. Um, you know, we're seeing initially a lot of people were building on blockchains on on uh, Ethereum. Right, and so, but now I've I've heard of ICOs that are building on Stellar. Some are building on Numer uh, on 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 um on Neo. So, like, do you think that's a trend that's gonna continuously happen, or do you have like, do you have any? Is that something that you kind of focus on, seeing what people like, what people are building on top of, and and how that's trending? Yeah, I mean, so I think. I think if you look if you look deep down at what's happening in the infrastructure, so when you think about infrastructure and the blockchain, right, I think about the marketplaces like you listed, like Ethereum, Neo, like you know, essentially protocols that have enhancements, right, beyond Bitcoin, right? Where, you know, Ethereum was the advent of smart contracts and it was developer friendly. So it made sense as a platform where developers who want to develop new and cool things could go to because it was purpose built for developers, right? And so there's an active marketplace because there's a lot of standardization around Ethereum with the tokens and how sure. things work. So naturally, you know, a lot of development gravitated towards Ethereum. I think other chains have come out that essentially are competitors with Ethereum, right? This idea of smart contracts and be able to build things on top of them and provide them to third parties, you know, whether it's, you know, B2B or... So I think there's a lot of overlap to be very honest, okay. right? I think some protocols do certain things better than others. Sure. But overall, you know, the way I think about it is to see it as marketplaces where you can develop new tools or or new software. It's almost like thinking about it as iTunes, right? Where right. you can pub, you can create something and publish it, right? But you can also create an app, right? Um, um, 
and publish it on Android. You can, you know, so there, there are many, there, you know, I guess in the world now, there are like maybe two big platforms for apps. But, you know, in the beginning, you know, there are probably multiple ways and multiple avenues. Yeah, so I think man, what's happening Windows with, Phone was even something as you know, a few years ago as well. But, you know, yeah. BlackBerry as well. They tried to kind of come back a little bit with the App Store and it, it, it felt, kind of fell on deaf ears. Um, so you're right. right. Yeah, but if you think about it, those, you know, in the old paradigm, they're all centralized systems, right, to some level of degree, right? I think Apple being the most centralized, right? Everything is sort of managed and controlled. And so there's a lot of stuff like winner-take-all mentality. Like there'll probably be like two or three winners at the end of the day. Um, I think with blockchain, it's a little bit different because a lot of these platforms are open, you know, open source in terms of being able to develop, to issue things. But I think you still have... I think we're still going to a place where you're going to have some dominant marketplaces, right? You know, I think that, you know, some other protocols like Icon or Neo, right? There are all these sort of regional plays, you know, Icon is in Korea, Neo is, you know, Chinese, you know, you have sure. Neem, that's Japanese. So I think what you'll end up having is you'll have platforms that for honestly kind of do everything well enough. Sure. And, you know, people will subscribe to the platforms they're familiar with, right, where, you know, if you're in Korea, it makes sense to develop on a Korean platform because they're there, sure. right, and, and use cases are there, right, and there'll be slight variations in sort of the markets and, and how they deploy. So I think you'll end up having, you know, a number of protocols, you know, there, there's some new kind of what people are calling third generation protocols are like coming down the pipe, like Cardano, right, and so... I think you'll have you'll you'll have improvements, right? You know, I think with every, you know, there'll be there'll be new variations or you know things in terms of speed and security and all sorts of things that come out. But I think it's one of these cases where you know, you know, where you have a big network like Ethereum, like as long as they don't blow it, you know, Ethereum is going to be a player for a long time, sure, because it's it's become like the standard, right? Um, and and and. With all the resources they have, you know, technically they'll keep improving. Um, so, no, no, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think one thing that, um, but I could, I could see like they're in certain regions, um, other platforms kind of being popular in that region. And so the example of Neo makes a lot of sense. And one thing that Neo does is, um, I think you know, to build on Ethereum, for I understand, you have to know uh, Solidity, and but Neo allows you to kind of use different. Um, different languages like Python and things that, you know, engineers already know. So right. the, the leap may not be there. But that being said, it's not hard for Ethereum to add that functionality or somebody to come out with some, you know, plug-in or API that allows you to kind of transfer it. Um, we've seen that happen in, in many technologies in the past. Um, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So are there any, like, live projects in in crypto or blockchain in West Africa now that you're excited about? Or 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 is are things still pretty under wraps and early? Um, I mean, so there, there are a few. I mean, there I, there's at least one project out there that um, ICO'd on Stellar. Okay. Um, called Sure Remit. Sure. Um, so I think that's a good example, right? So Sure Remit kind of emerged from a company called Sure Gifts, right? Which was, I believe, the issue sort of like virtual gift cards, such that you can have a gift card and you can spend it at places that accept you know, the gift card, right? So the idea is locally in Nigeria, right, where they started, um, it gives you some level of convenience, right? You don't have to carry a lot of hard cash, but there are places where you can kind of spend this gift card. Um, so there's utility there, right? They built some business around that. And so, you know, 
you know, migrating to the blockchain, they created this idea of showroom it, which is the same concept of virtual gift cards, but now you can transfer them over blockchain, right, and move them across the world. Sure. So technically, I can be in D.C., I could buy a gift card, I could just virtually send it out to my cousin in Lagos, right? You know, the value is pretty much going to be, I think, for very, very little in terms of fees, or I'm not sure what the fee structure is, but writing the, the, the protocol, the set of protocol, like, it's, it's almost negligible in terms of the cost of transfer on the network. Right. So... If you think about it, it's a, it's a way to kind of move value without necessarily having to move hard cash. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a, I mean, it's a smart, it was definitely definitely a smart approach, right? But, you know, if you think about it, here's a team that already had a business, that knew what they were doing, that had a marketplace. And so migrating to the blockchain, you know, was a little bit of a easier transition. Like you can see the use case, right? Of course. Um, so that's one project that I thought, you know, did really well. I mean, I participated in their in their pre-sale, you know, everything went well. I think it was really, really well organized. And, you know, I think that's one thing I kind of laud the group, the team for. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of ICOs are just terrible, right? And sure. I think as one of the first African ICOs, um, I think they, they did a really great job and, you know, set a pretty high standard that I think, you know, others that will surely follow, you know, would, um, would uh, you know, would be measured against. Definitely, definitely. I think um, it's interesting that you mentioned they build on Stellar, and I think seems like Stellar, from what I understand, there a lot of their focus is on you know building out in emerging markets and and kind of staying true to that, I guess that ethos that crypto was built on, um, that libertarian ethos where like it was it's going to kind of help um, bring people that have been unbanked and you know affected by different. I would say political regimes and things of that sort and kind of free them, so to speak. And so uh, Stella wants to kind of do that outreach. And given that you're focused on frontier markets in West Africa, have you seen that to still be the case? Is Stella kind of still focused on that? Is that kind of, is that kind of what West Africans or people in other markets similar, Caribbean or what have you, kind of focus on when it comes to Stella, when it comes to choosing a platform or choosing a coin? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, I think, I think that, you know, the philosophy has, there has to be alignment on the vision and philosophy, right? And so one of the reasons why, so I'm developing a, a platform on Stellar okay. is for those reasons you're listed, right? Philosophically, they're trying to really address challenges that the unbanked face, right? And so broadly, that's sort of a marketplace they're, they're trying to tackle, right? And the way the Stellar platform is built, right, it's built for high volume transactions, right? It's built to be a robust payment protocol, where you can have, you know, lots of transactions. You can, you know, you're not penalized for having microtransactions or small transactions. Right. So as a protocol, it's being built to address this idea of, you know, removing friction from financial transactions. Right, right. Right, which could be very different from, you know, you know, a platform that's mainly like a store of value. Like, so what Bitcoin has become more and more is this big store of value where I'm not really trying to do, you know, 40 or 50,000 transactions a second, right? I'm just trying to store value and hopefully hopefully grow value. Sure. Um, you know, I think people are trying to build some layers on top of Bitcoin that kind of make it faster. But the point is, you know, I think Stellar is purpose-built to address this particular use case that plagues, you know, the majority of people in the world. I mean, I think 70% of Africa is either unbanked or underbanked. Of course. Right? So if you think about a big problem to solve um, from a philosophical standpoint, I think there's alignment there. And and so, you know, everything would be built with that, you know, view in mind. 
Sure, sure. 100%. 100%. No, awesome. Just to kind of pivot a little bit back, um, just, you know, obviously, you know, you you mentioned that you invested in in, in that ICO and, you know, you you seem to be very well versed in Stellar. Um, What are some other coins, projects, or ICO that you either invested in or or watching or or excited about? Um so I mean I'm 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 less so like everyone else uh, you know I kind of got into the investments a little bit. I'm less focused on actually investing in crypto sure. and more focused on building things on blockchain. Right, 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 right. right. Um now the, kind of the way I kind of my philosophy and the way I think uh, I kind of tell people when asking that question is you have to think about things broadly from a marketplace point of view, right? So I'm, you know, I study economics, and so I think about markets, right? Now, the way I kind of look at blockchain is you look at Bitcoin almost like the Uber store of value, like almost like a central bank, of course, right? Or, or gold or, you know, some big store of value where, you know, it's hopefully trending over the long term forward. Sure. And then you look at all the protocols that are being developed as marketplaces, right? So Ethereum, Cardano, NEO, like there are places where people can build things, right? Where people sure. can innovate. Um, you look at some of the protocols like, you know, Ripple or Stellar that kind of have this banking functionality, right? And so if you think about it, you know, if you need to move financial value, you need banks. You need, you need a system that allows people to aggregate funds, move funds, deploy funds, right? So, you know, I kind of say, look, if, if I think about how you build a marketplace, Right, you start from the top, right? The top is the Uber store of value. You look at marketplaces, and then from marketplaces and banks, right, um, you start getting into products, right. right? They have you know more of a niche view, you know, and you can kind of have you know product stack that goes from large markets to very very small niche markets. So my perspective is, if we're very early in the whole blockchain, um, you know, blockchain um, te- te- technology cycle. You know, people are better off focusing on the marketplaces, right? Because that's where a lot of the activity is going to happen. You know, as as blockchain use cases increase, right, the marketplaces will get larger. Of course. Right. And and so for me, you know, from just a risk reward or from a kind of viewpoint, you know, the marketplaces are still still being built and are still being sort of improved. Sure. Right. And so I think a lot of value over the next period of time will still accrue. To the marketplaces, right? I think you're more likely to have Ethereum continue to grow, Neo, like the marketplace they develop, than taking a bet on like a niche product. Um, you know, that's I think it's just a high risk to take a bet on niche products where the marketplaces are still not fully developed. Right, right, right. No, 100%. Right? So, so that's kind of just my philosophical view. So I think if people can use that as a framework to think about. You know what the use case is, what the market potential and market sizes look like, um, and you can make decisions that way. One hundred percent. No, no, I, I agree. It's almost like um, choosing. You know, we're in a space where you, you're almost choosing it to. Uh, you can invest in things like AWS, or you can invest on you know the latest e-commerce craze. Or, it's, but you know that you know a lot of times people are using things like AWS or Shopify to, uh, as the back end to power whatever they're doing. Um, so exactly. We're in that space right now in, in crypto. So, no, I, I, I totally align with what you're saying. Um, cool. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you're well read. Um, you know, obviously you are a good source. You know, we're definitely going to link to, um, you know, your your medium articles and your, your profile. But other than, you know, what do you read as far as, uh, you know, trying to keep up with the space and what, what are some sort some 
sites and platforms that you trust? Um, so I spend so most of the stuff I read, I actually spend a lot of time um, on Twitter. Okay. So I've built sort of you know like on Twitter you can create your own groups. So I've sure. kind of over time just identified a lot of credible, you know, credible resources like people that tend to be in the know, right? Who have a reputation. And so, you know, I've created essentially a filter basically where I kind of know generally who's credible. And, you know, that's where I lean on in terms of, you know, either questions I have or for kind of information that's coming out. Like I think, you know, Twitter's I've found is the most efficient way to, you know, get information and, and disseminate it. Um, 100%. Yeah. And then, you know, you have just the other publications out there, um, like the usual suspects, you know, Coindesk and, you know, where you kind of get news and like a little bit deeper sort of analysis and information. And then there are also a few resources I follow on YouTube, right, who, um, you know, I think you have to filter through a lot of the Me Too's, but yeah. there are a handful of, of, of good resources I follow on YouTube um, on a daily basis um, and just kind of just to keep up with what's going on in the markets. Um, yeah, so that's, that, I mean, those are the, those are the channels, um, in particular I look at, um, in terms of like, if I can give like some particular people, so like on YouTube, I kind of follow like the modern investor. The modern investor, that, okay. Yeah. He has like a daily, it's kind of like five or 10 minutes, but like first thing in the morning, it's, you kind of get a little bit of a quick overview. Here's going on in the markets. Here are like some key things, okay. um, that are happening. So that's probably one resource I look at. Um, I listen to for sure every day. Okay. Um, you know, on Twitter, um, there are a few folks I I, I follow religious, religiously. Um, you know, Chris Marinsky is one of them. Okay. Um, he does a lot of you know really deep analysis. You know, gives you like he's you know, developing a lot of just frameworks on how you look at the market yeah. and how he, you kind he, of he kind assess book, right? value. Yeah, I believe it did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he's in the he's in the space full time, awesome. so you know that you know that's one person um, you know I follow and I, I kind of keep up with. Um, I'm trying to think of other people. No, no, that's awesome. I think you you already, you already gave two, and I think um, you know I think if people follow you, they can see um, you know I don't know if your list is public, but they can see the things that you retweet and such. So that will yeah. also be help. So that's a good segue. I mean, obviously. You know, thank you for your time, um, for you know spending time with us and 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 sharing your insights with our audience. Um, but if they wanted to follow you, um, where can I find you? I, I already kind of exp uh, mentioned Twitter, but um, Twitter and what what are some other platforms where people can find you? Yeah, I mean the best way to follow me is on on Twitter. So my handle is Akin Sawyer. That's A K I N S A W Y E R R. And I also, as you mentioned early on, I put on a weekly. Um, um, crypto show called Cryptos Weekly. Okay. And so people can find that on iTunes, um, and also we, we publish that on YouTube as well. Awesome, awesome. And you can find you on Steam as well, right? Yeah, I don't really spend that much time on Steam. I have an account and I'm here or there, but I don't I don't spend a great deal of time on Steam. It. So yeah, 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 yeah. You're much better following me on Twitter and and you know most of the activity I I kind of retweet and, and talk about it on Twitter. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks again, and uh, we appreciate your time. You have a great day. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me.